Hey college kids, welcome back to my podcast, Who Cares About College? This is part two of my interview with Katie, so if you have not listened to part one, make sure to do that. Also, make sure to subscribe and check out my blog, acollegekid.com, for more college-related content. But other than that, I hope you enjoy. It's amazing. So now let's actually move on to college experience. So... The summer before, again, I'm stuck on this recruited athlete because you're like the first one I've actually interviewed. So with a recruited athlete, is there any difference in how you, I guess, enter college? You know, most students, they come onto campus, they're assigned a dorm like building, they're assigned roommates and stuff. Is there anything different for recruited athletes coming in? Do you have to go through like a procedure or something? Um, well, you also sign, you have to fill out a lot more forms, that's for sure getting medically cleared. Um, Schools try to put um, athletes living with other athletes. Um, My school does not like to put athletes from the same team living together, which is, I think, a good thing because you already spend, I would say, about 60% of your day with them. It's nice to um, get some time away from your teammates too, just to keep up like a positive, positive, healthy relationship. But they they put you most of the time with – another athlete because it's someone who understands your schedule and um, is probably waking up at 7am to go to lifts too. Um, And you, when you're getting recruited. um, So the week before I committed um, in the September of my senior year, I did an overnight with the, I stayed over with one of the juniors on the team and I met the team got a, like, got a feel for what their, what their day in life was. I attended, um, three classes. I watched a practice. Um, we had movie night, we did nails, we did face masks, we did all that, um, just to feel the campus, feel the, feel the vibe, um, of the student body, like without the coaching staff hovering over your shoulder. Um, so that was, that was something that I got to experience that, um, like people who aren't, prospective athletes don't really get to just go stay overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that was probably like the biggest, this most striking difference between applying as, I mean, not applying as getting recruited at, instead of not getting recruited. And you did say that you spend a lot, a lot of your time with your teammates. And that's kind of part of the reason you guys don't spend time together in the, in the dorm. So can you take me through like, just it could be you can give your um personal experience or just any athlete in general so how does your routine differ from like a normal student like what are there certain requirements of you athletically or like certain practices that you have to attend that other students obviously don't have to yes um so in the off season i would say about 70 percent of the practices are mandatory and in season, when you're actually playing games, everything is mandatory. Um, I'm eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner with my teammates. Um, we're doing, I mean, I, I wake up, we have lift starting at 7 a.m. together. Um, we go to breakfast afterwards, then we go to our class. And then I like see them around the dining hall. We're probably um, eating together or eating with friends outside of the team. And then uh, we go to practice from either four to six 30 or six 30 to 
nine. Um, so we're just, we're just together all the time. It's, it's an incredible time commitment playing a college sport. Um, playing two was overwhelming. Um, really, really, really difficult. And um, I would not recommend it to people who are interested in the pre-med field because it's a lot to, to be doing all of that. Um, it's a lot. Uh, when I first got there in the fall, I just, I didn't join any clubs because I was so incredibly overwhelmed. But when I got my footing, I was able to do some extracurriculars that weren't college sports. And that was really nice. Um, but it is, it is an overwhelming time commitment and you're spending a lot, a lot, a lot of time with these people on your team. And with the professors at any college in general, are they more lenient with athletes because you are doing what about like four hours of mandatory like practices than the regular students. So four hours of your day at minimum are dedicated to something. So like, are they more lenient or do you still have like the same workload, the same amount of classes you need to take? Yeah. So I'm still, I still have the same workload. I still take the same um, amount of classes. Um, I would say most of the professors are really understanding in the sense that if I tell them, um, I mean, I've, 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 I've only asked for an extension, um, on two papers and they were due to the, due to the fact that we weren't getting back from a game until past midnight. And I just didn't have Wi-Fi to submit my papers. And of course they're understanding about that. Of course they're understanding about bus rides and really far away games. Um, but you're still expected to do all the same work and whether, I mean, they're, they're understanding in the sense where they will give you one or two more days to submit it. Mm -hmm. Um, but you're, you're still doing all the same work and you're still expected to participate in class and show up like every, everyone else. God, that is so much more stress. Is it, was it just like high school 2.0 for you? Just, it was, it was high school on absolute crack. I'm not going to lie. I had no idea. Um, what it meant to play a college sport, let alone two college sports. Um, it really is a whole new world from playing high school sports because high school sports are, you, you're, you're, you're able to leave high school and actually detach from um, your sports. You just have two hours, whereas college, you, you really are just ment mentally and physically just exhausted on top of having to learn. And it's, it's, it's intense. Can you tell me, so you did mention how like, you know, you'd go to bus rides and sometimes there'd be far away games. So can you tell me how, I guess, college sports, university, how they work? Like what, how often do you have games? I know you said you have practice like almost every day and they're all mandatory, but how do like the games work? How do you compete with other schools and like what other schools do you compete with? Okay. So um, we play every team twice in our conference, and I think there's about 10, 10 or 11 teams in our conference. Um, and depending upon how well you do with your conference, um, then you can qualify for the NCAA tournament. Mm -hmm. um, and if you don't qualify, then your season just ends after your typical conference play. And you have about three or four games with teams outside of your conference. Um, 
my basketball and lacrosse. No, my basketball games were Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, which was great to have um, games on Saturdays because those weren't class days. You didn't have to run down to the athletic field house after whatever seminar I was trying to stay awake um, in. And um, I think Swarthmore does a really phenomenal job. They take the time block from um, three to six and or three to seven, three to seven. And they don't have any classes, not including labs during that time, because they want to ensure that the student athletes aren't missing out on classes because of practice times Mm -hmm. and practice times are solely scheduled around the team schedule. So we're encouraged to take any class we want um, and do any extracurricular that we want. Um, and then we will schedule practice time around that because we know that academics come first at Swarthmore um, and they do everything in their power to make it so, I mean, I'm pre-med, I can take my lab from one to four and practice isn't until 4.30 to 6.30 or whatever. So I'm not having to choose between classes that I am interested in in my major and playing a sport. And that that isn't true for all schools, um, especially at the Division One and Division Two level. Um, athletes have a very limited time frame that they get to take classes in, and it really limits the classes that they get to actually enroll in and participate in. Um, and I knew I wanted to play division three sports because I would get to be pre-med and I would get to take classes that I wanted to. And my coaches would be more understanding. And I, and I wasn't necessarily, my whole life wasn't athletics, which is the case when you play division one sports. Um, I was like a student athlete, student first athlete, second, Mm. And you did mention that you have a lot of games and then like with each team you would play a couple times. So you said Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, you would have a game and then sometimes they'd be like far away. Yeah. I mean, some days I wasn't getting back. I mean, my game would start at seven and it would probably go until nine and then we have to get dinner. Um, and we'd probably eat that on the bus. And if it was like a school that was two hours away, we wouldn't, we wouldn't get home for a little while. Um, and it was, it was really hard to do homework on the bus and just um, structure my schedule around that much traveling because you're not doing that, that traveling in high school. I mean, you're going to the, the high school 15 minutes away. Um, it was a whole new level and I was really pressed for time and I really had to, I mean, I stumbled at first managing my time and scheduling it. So I was getting sleep and I was getting my studying in and and it's hard because being a college athlete really means that something's going to take a hit, whether it's like your sleeping time, your social time or your studying time. And I mean, to each their own, um, whatever you want to sacrifice a little bit or little chunks from each. And I really had to learn what worked for me and how basically I had to relearn how to study Mm -hmm. to make sure I was successful. 
Okay, so before we get into actual academics life at Swarthmore, okay, so I want to understand how did you, how long did it take you to, I mean, it's just astounding the numbers that you've given me and how often like you're committed to sports and sports only. So can you take me through like how long did it take you to actually develop a routine? How long did it take you to like, I don't know, prioritize and create a schedule? And what advice would you give for high schoolers who are coming in as recruited athletes? Because you did say it's like just completely, it's much more intense. Yeah. Um, I, I don't even, so this last year was my freshman year. Um, I got sent home in March due to COVID. Um, in all honesty, I don't, I don't even think I had my footing um, until I got sent home and I wasn't playing sports anymore. And I, and I haven't been playing sports since because um, my conferences season for last spring and this fall and this spring have all been canceled because of the pandemic. Um, I, I don't think I, I don't think I ever really truly caught my footing. Um, like I had in high school. Cause I, I had it down pat. I knew when to study, when to do everything. And, and I really managed my time. Well, um, I don't think I, I got it. I don't think I really got it down until I came home and I took a step back and, um, sort of bounced back from everything that was happening. Cause it was, it was really, I mean, I was struggling for a while. Um, but I just, I just kept going with it because I mean, you're just like rolling with the punches as they come. Um, biggest advice would be you're going to have to really put your schedule on a piece of paper and set reminders on your phone and just sort of line up your week. So, you know, when you have time to take a breather and, and take a nap, take a quick break and basically detach from your life and use all the resources possible Go to your professor's office hours the first week that you have classes, meet them, introduce yourself to them, tell them you're an athlete, establish a nice relationship with them that you can lean on. So when you're not understanding, you can talk to them and say, listen, I have practice during the office hours you have on your syllabus. Would you be willing to stay an extra 30 minutes and explain blah, blah, blah to me so I can understand it. So I can do well in your class and do well on this upcoming test and establish a relationship with establishing a relationship with those professors is probably the most integral thing you can do. Okay. So we've gone through like a thorough, I guess, analysis of athletics at just like any school. So can we, let's move on to academics. So Again, you are first student athlete I've had, and then the first real liberal arts college I've had as well. So can you describe how your education differs from like the simple like, university student versus lib- liberal arts? Like how do they approach it? You course load everything. Yes. Okay. So there are um, a number of requirements that you need to hit 
um, in order to graduate besides just fulfilling your major. So there are a certain number of humanities, social sciences, um, lab sciences, and you have to, you, you have, you have to um, pass a swim test as well, as well as take PE credits if you're not an athlete. So you need all of that to graduate. So the first week that you're at Swarthmore, you have to pass a swim test. Why? And you have to, they want everyone to be able to swim. I don't know. It's, it's really, it's entertaining um, to watch a bunch of new kids flail around in a pool for a little while. Um, and they have everyone take classes in all of the fields. Um, and you really need to, you really need to get on top of um, all the requirements at the start. Um, if you want to major in biology, you still have to take this like same four humanities classes that everyone else does and same social social science classes to graduate. It, it just, you have um, flexibility in what your actual class is, but you, you need to hit a wide variety of um, subjects in order to graduate. And I, and I, I like that. I think it's, it really pushes kids outside of their comfort zone and it really makes you see, oh, this is interesting. This is something that I would like to pursue. And then maybe I'll throw in a minor one day and maybe I'll throw in a double major. And I think it really allows kids to grow as students. At a liberal arts college, are there certain things that are not offered because it is liberal arts, it's in the name. So are there certain like topics or fields of study that are not offered that could be offered at like, I don't know, state school that's like a typical university? Exactly. Okay. So we don't actually have a major called pre-med and you can major in like, you can do a pre-med or pre-law at some schools, or you can take, you can major in something like sports medicine or sports broadcasting that isn't offered at Swarthmore. Um, you have much broader majors because it's not as big of a school and it's a liberal arts school. So, I mean, we don't have molecular biology majors. You just have biology majors, but maybe you're taking three molecular biology classes. There's just not, um, the majors are a lot broader, but a uh, Swarthmore lets you, um, you can do this amazing thing, which is creating your own major. You just have to assign it to a department. So, let's say I wanted to create a special, a special major with um, the political science department and the classics department where I wanted to talk about any, I mean, I wanted to take classes on and write my thesis on a mix of those two classes. I create something called a special major um, and you would just have to apply and you can, you can end up doing that, which I think is really amazing. An amazing thing that Swarthmore does because um they want you to be creative with your with your education. And so you are double majoring in political science and biology. Can you tell me how you personally came upon those two majors? So um, I've always been interested in government politics and especially U.S. history. And getting to school at Swarthmore um, taking lab classes that are really hard, taking STEM classes that are really hard. I've always loved 
taking a history, political science, or humanities class as my fun class where I get to write argumentative papers and engage in seminars and discussions and sort of like use the other side of my brain. Um, I would, I would just the past four semesters just take classes in them. Um, and I, I racked up enough credits that I was looking at the major requirement and I, and I just sort of said, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to put this as my other major. Cause if I have the credits for it, why not just go for it? Mm-hmm. And in terms of networking and internship opportunities, how has Swarthmore helped you? Like, I don't know, you are still a sophomore, so you still have like a lot of time and COVID did happen. But like, how does networking work in a liberal arts college? How do they offer internships when when like a recruiter sees someone in a liberal liberal arts college versus like a university? Do they view them differently or is it relatively the same? I would say... I would so for that last question about what recruiters see when they see liberal arts versus university, I would say they look more towards um, if your school is like within the top 50 mm-hmm. more so than if it's a liberal arts college versus a university. Um, Swarthmore uses this program called Handshake to um, get students resumes out there and, and find and find internships by letting um, recruiters know that these students are interested in also putting out basically the word via email. I mean, I get like two a day about really interesting internship opportunities. Um, I currently have an internship right now in my hometown. Um, and I've been able to do that because I'm doing remote learning at the moment. I work, um, at a gynecology and fertility clinic and doctor's office for women's health in Princeton, New Jersey called Kind Body. Uh, And I work as a clinical intern there. And I would say having Swarthmore as my school definitely helped when reaching out because Swarthmore is, um, it's a name associated to a, a good liberal arts college and a institution that puts out students looking to go to graduate school, I think it's, I want to say like 98% of the students go on and do more education after Swarthmore. Mm -hmm. Um, So people giving out internships and jobs know that they're giving it to people who are most likely continuing their education um, and really just want to grow. Um, what was the first half of that question? Oh, so um, the sports programs also have, um, we're in contact with all the alumni. I mean, each each year we get a sheet of alumni, their jobs and their emails and their major when they went to Swarthmore in their class year. Um, so I can just go on and look up the women's lacrosse team alumni networking roster and see, oh, this this woman is now a doctor, um, now a gynecologist, and I'm interested in that. So let me just let me just take her phone number and just just reach out to her and be like, "Hey, I'm currently on the lacrosse team. Bond about our experiences being athletes and sort of network. Get your name out there to people 
who went through what you went through in college and who, who went on um, a similar track and kind of get their, get their, get their knowledge on what it's like in my, in my case, applying to medical school, going to medical school, doing residency. I mean, I have a vast um, accessibility to lit a list of alumni that I can reach out to that I'm really happy about from the lacrosse team. Um, That's so cool. Is that just like athletes or the athletic athletic departments in general? Or is that something that's more specific to Swarthmore? I would say it's something more specific to Swarthmore because they know that their athletes are going to go out in the world. And I mean, when we graduate, for the most part, our athletic careers are over and it's out into the world, continuing our education, getting getting a like a really intense job. So having people that went through this kind of experience that you did and went through the same sort of trail that you did, learning from whatever they went through and sort of following in their footsteps and talking to them is an amazing resource that um, the athletic department at Swarthmore really does a great job of giving their student athletes. Yeah, that is incredible for networking purposes too. Yeah, that's amazing. Okay, so I want to discuss two more, I guess we could say major topics before we wrap up here. So number one is how do the academics in high school compare to college and just like college in general, like the difficulty, the rigor, the kinds of expectations professors have of you that high school teachers perhaps did or didn't have? Yeah. So um, college moves so much faster than high school, faster than you can ever imagine. Um, You're not going to get homework points in a lot of classes, you're not going to get, I mean, in, in STEM classes, you're not necessarily going to get participation points. Um, I was shocked my first semester when my psychology class was 60% of my grade was the final and 40% was the midterm. Um, I'd never experienced anything like that. It was incredibly intimidating and so freelance because you're not getting little points for homework assignments or little things like that, or even showing up for class. So it's really, it's really on you as a student to do the readings, come to class prepared and ask questions with like with your professor in office hours, if you're having any trouble, because it's really easy to say, Oh, they're not going to ask me about that reading because I only have to know it for the midterm. And then the week before the midterm, you realize, Oh, I have to do 10 readings. And I suddenly have 30 questions for my professor. It's so much easier um, in college to lose track of your assignments because the professors are not there to hold your hand like they are in high school. Um, And at Swarthmore, you don't see your grades until really like the last week of classes. Are you serious? Oh, it's 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 so intimidating um, because you really don't know where you're standing and um, they do that to encourage you to just learn and try your hardest regardless. Um, so it's hard. It's not like you can refresh and say, Oh, I just got a nice little five points for that homework assignment. I'm doing great. It's sort of, you have to be on top of yourself and no one's going to do the work for you except for your, except for yourself. Um, and you really need to do the homework on your own. And it's easy to it's easy to think that you don't need to do it because you're not getting a grade for it. 
but it will come back and bite you in the butt because those midterms and those finals are intense and college classes are such a big step up from high school classes that there really is no way to prepare for them besides learning the foundation of good studying habits, like doing the readings, doing practice homework questions, and making sure you have good time management. Yeah. And I have just one quick question. A lot of people can just BS, that's the term people use nowadays, BS their way through high school. And like I'm most, a lot of students do like, you know, there's a class and you're like, okay, so long as I do this stuff, even if I don't know the subject too well, I can pass it. I can get a good grade in it. Is college like completely different? Like you just can't BS it. Like you need to absolutely know this stuff or is it like high school where you can like get away with some things? Really depends upon your major. But I would say um, at Swarthmore, you're not getting away with anything. Um, You need to dedicate an insane amount of time to studying and understanding the material. Um, And at at other schools um, where you have different majors than at Swarthmore, I think you're allowed to get away with um, BSing your way through and and not really pushing yourself, but that really isn't the case at Swarthmore. And that really isn't the case at like any high academic institution and students who didn't establish a good foundation for studying and learning really struggle in the beginning at Swarthmore. Um, And I would say people like in general struggle the first semester because it's hard and you want to make friends and suddenly you're you're not, you don't have someone doing your laundry for you and you have to schedule your own lunches and your whole life isn't just like walking with your hand held by adults, that it's really hard. Um, And Swarthmore does this amazing thing where your entire freshman fall is pass fail. So you don't get grades. Um, You actually just get a pass or a fail and you can't uncover them. No one sees them. Um, which was really, really good because when you struggle at first getting to college and you're overwhelmed with so many things, um, they don't want your freshman fall to hold your GPA down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's probably, yeah. Okay, and the last major topic I want to discuss is who should attend a liberal arts college? What are the specific characteristics that a liberal arts college has versus like university? Who would you recommend attends a liberal arts college other than like a university, which is like kind of the only other option. Yes. So liberal arts colleges, I want to say, are usually smaller in nature. So you're also getting a, a smaller ratio of students to professor. So people who really want to explore new fields, new classes, and basically just new topics in general, or people who can't really decide between certain classes in the sense of like STEM versus humanities versus social sciences. If you have a passion that um, sort of overlaps more than overlaps different um, courses and sort of can, and you really want to like expand in more ways than just going forward and really just hyper-focusing on only one Um, subsection of what your college has to offer 
if you want that, then attend a liberal arts college. Um, because you may end up double majoring and you may ending up you may end up finding a whole new passion that um you never would have otherwise. Okay. And it's also liberal arts, as I understand it, is mainly for people. Well, like I mean, there are other reasons too, but one of the main is like if you want to go do a graduate or like a PhD as well, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we're getting to an end here. <clears throat> so we're getting to an end here, and there's one thing I ask of everyone. So it's advice. What advice would you give for number one high school students? They can be any year, and it can be about anything, like the college application process or preparing for college. And then number two would be for current college students, maybe they're lost or like really stressed out. They don't know what they're doing. So what advice would you give for those two groups of people? So for um, people looking at colleges and starting their application process and or starting their college search process, I would say really take advantage of websites and podcasts like these and blogs and school newspapers from colleges that you're um, looking at because you're going to, you're going to hear from students who are currently there and you're going to get a direct response of what their school is like and how it's, how the school basically treats their students and issues that are coming up on campus because especially with what's going on in the world right now and with COVID, you want to know um, how your school's administration is going to respond to emergencies and treat students when they're asking for help. Um, And just, if you're looking at a school, look at how they responded to COVID and look at how they responded to students asking to lower tuition or for help with grades or basically how their students on campus or off campus or enrolled are how they, how they feel that their administration is um, treating them because you want to go to a school that's going to care about you as an individual student and a school that's going to recognize you as important and not just see you as a, as a paycheck. Um, And you'll see from that, so much more than you could ever imagine and really choose a school that has so many things to offer you like extracurriculars, um, classes, majors, professors, campus life. Don't just pick a school because um, you think it's going to have great parties or because it's warm or because you like its colors. Really just dive in and try to learn as much as you can about the school And I think that um, you'll be satisfied with what you choose. And for people who feel like they're lost right now, um, I would say that I don't know how to get you back on track. Um, But I think that the most important thing that I learned during these last few months is that life gets derailed and everyone tells you that your college days are supposed to be the best days of your life. And that's not true. Um, To say that four years of your life are going to be the best. And then if you don't take advantage of them, or if if they're not perfect the entire time that it wasn't somehow worth it um, is sort of like leading people astray because nothing's worse than saying, this is supposed to be the best time in my life right now. I'm supposed to be enjoying college and I'm at home. 
um, doing online learning, everyone's struggling. They may not just be showing it. And it's okay to not know what's going on right now. And it's okay to be struggling because things can only go up from here. And you're going to learn a lot more from struggling than if it was a breeze. Those are actually very good. I've never heard those, but those are very true points there. So thank you so much for coming on, Katie. Thank you so, so much for having me. I so appreciate this. This was honestly so fun. Thank you so much. And I think what you're doing is really, really helpful to students. Thank you very much. So have a good night. Thank you. You too. That's it for my interview with Katie. If you have not checked out part one, make sure to do that. Also check out my blog, acollegekid.com for more college-related content on there. Next week, I'll be releasing my interview with a current UVA student, University of Virginia. So subscribe so you do not miss that. But other than that, I hope to see you then. (laughs) 